Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground, alternative activists, empowerment, talk radio, speaking truth to our and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro, that's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? As you honor our forefathers and foremothers, I urge you to honor our living heroes. When you honor the names of Nat Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Malcolm X, I urge you to honor the names of Geronimo Gijaga, Symbiata Akoli, Matulu Shakur, and Mumia Abu-Jamal. America's chickens! Coming home to roost. Violence begets violence. Hatred begets hatred. And terrorism begets terrorism. Our common ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned. And good evening to you. Thank you so much for being here. This is Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham, and with me is my regular co-host, Alpha. Good evening, sir. How are you? Janice, good evening. How are you this evening? I'm fine. Let me kind of tell you what we're going to be doing tonight. I am very proud to say that on Monday I will celebrate my 20th year involved in being at this microphone, 20 years of our common ground. Uh, We began on Monday 20 years ago, and we're quite proud of what we've been able to accomplish. a no veteran, no experience, uh, Janice Graham, to create a talk show to be alternative activists and empowerment and speak truth to power and ourselves. And Alpha joining us tonight is a veteran talk show host who has been my colleague for as long as I can remember helping us celebrate this 20th year for our common ground. Dr. Wilma Leon, he is a political scientist whose primary area of expertise are black politics, American government, and public policy. He is also the host and producer of the nationally broadcast call-in talk radio show, Inside the Issues with Leon on XM Sirius Satellite Radio, Channel 129, The Power. He has been a regular guest on CNN Lou Dobbs tonight and a contributing columnist to truthout.org, politicsandcolor.com, 
and Black Star News, and we are just really honored to have him, and we'll be bringing him to you. Tonight we're going to cover the full landscape, America at war, at home, and abroad. We'll be talking about the uh, Obama administration and black loyalty uh, from a piece that was written by Dr. Leon uh, and was published in truthout.org and has been shared and republished and re and duplicated numerous places all across the Internet. And we posted it uh, a couple of weeks ago here at Our Common Ground. One of the things that makes me so honored to have him is that he has been persistent, consistent in his support of looking straight on, straight no chaser at the issues before us. And we're going to be talking about black media, this new black media. Uh, And um, we're going to be talking about, of course, voter uh, suppression campaigns and the economic and job indicators in this country. Thank you again for being with us. And when we come back from this, we will have with us uh, Alpha, my regular co-host, who I am just so proud to have me and very uh, makes my heart warm to have him with me tonight as I celebrate this 20th year in talk radio and Dr. Wilmer Leon. This is Our Common Ground. Thank you for being with us in our special broadcast, which celebrates the 20th anniversary of Our Common Ground on Talk Radio. With us tonight is Dr. Wilmer Leon. He is the host of Inside the Issues with Dr. Leon on XM Radio. He is a social critic, social observer, talk show host, jazz aficionado, and a political scientist. We will be discussing the issues of the day, America at war, at home and abroad. We'll be taking your calls. We'll bring you some jazz as well. Stay with us. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. my brother and colleague for joining us tonight here at our common ground. Well, thank welcome, you for the invitation. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. I I'm, I'm pleased and honored to be with you this evening. Well, thank you for coming, Dr. Leon. Thank you very much. Uh, Dr. Leon, you're talking with Alpha out of Chicago. He is my sidekick on Saturday nights. He helps the old lady out when she's uh. <laughs> <laughs> He is the 
host of the Alpha Show at TruthWorks Network, which broadcasts here at Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. on Saturdays. Well, we're, we're so glad to, to have you. I did catch your show, as I always do on Saturdays. Um, um, and um, it, was a, it was a great show. Well, thank you. Um, let, tell us a little about you. I, I did give a, a brief introduction. How did you get into radio coming out of Hampton with a degree in political science and then moving to Howard for your master's in public administration and then politi- uh, a Ph.D. in, in uh, political science? Well, there was also a, a stint in law school there for a couple of years, but um, uh, I, I actually I got into radio as an accident. I, I got into radio as a listener. Uh, when I came to Washington, D.C., uh, I want to say it was 1983, uh, talk radio in D.C. was incredibly strong. It, it still is very strong today, but, um, but back in 83, it was, it was really, you could listen all day between yeah. the various yeah. channels. Uh, and I was particularly at the time uh, listening to a show called Morning Conversations with Tom Porter on WPFW. I was mm-hmm. listening to uh, Askia Muhammad on PFW, uh, Dr. Jesse McDade Bay, uh, also the late Dr. Jesse McDade Bay, also known as The Spear. Um, and so I started as a listener and then started calling. And my voice got recognized uh, around the various channels as Leon on his cell phone, and then one day a very good friend of mine was at a party with Kathy Hughes, and Kathy was lamenting that she wished she could find a new voice for her channel, and a very dear friend of mine uh, said, uh, uh, Tracy Penson said, you need to call Wilmer Leon, and uh, Kathy said, what's a Wilmer Leon? And Tracy said, trust me, Kathy, that's the guy you need on WOL in D.C., uh-huh. I got a, and, I got a and, phone call and, and yeah, and that was it. And it, that was in 1983 or 84. Uh, no, by that time, no, that was that. By then, I want to say it was around 91. Okay. I mean, I, I had been okay. listening and calling for about 10 years, and uh-huh. oh, and so okay. that that was about 91 when uh, uh-huh. Miss Hughes called me, and um, I, I went in for the interview, and uh, they they started me off on Saturdays for an hour. Then they moved me to Sundays for an hour, then Sundays for two hours, then Sundays for three hours. And then when um, when Miss Hughes did her agreement with XM, that's the, I was one of the shows that they brought over to uh, to XM. Mm-hmm. And and that's where I've been ever since. since uh, I've been at XM now since they launched uh, in 2001. Well, you certainly uh, had some pioneers. Tom Porter, uh, who has been, who was when I was broadcasting in Florida, a frequent guest of Our Common Ground, um, and The Sphere. Actually, I used to call up sometimes on the telephone just to listen <laughs> from Florida when there was toll calls for long distance. <laughs> that brother, that brother could bring it, and yes, uh, his, his his famous line was, "That's right, I said it, and I'll say it again." <laughs> and then also uh, Bernie McCain. I, I can never, I can never forget, and never, I'd be incredibly remiss if I did not mention the dean, uh, Bernie yeah. McCain. Uh, he yeah. was another one, and, and and also all of the people that I mentioned were have been very encouraging to me, very supportive of me. Uh, uh-huh. Askia Muhammad now has me as a guest on his show, which is to me an incredible honor. 
when someone who I spent so much time listening to and, and so much time trying to model uh, my approach uh, to presentation after um, has, has, uh, ha- now has me as a regular analyst on his show, uh, that's an incredible, incredible compliment. Yeah, that is such a compliment. I did uh, a week of shows uh, back in, I think it was like around 89, where Kathy Hughes was with me on Monday, The Sphere was with me on Tuesday, Askia <laughs> was with me on Thursday, Bob Law was with me on Friday, and Gary Bird was with me on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, you had, you had a lineup, because that, that whole crew right yeah, there. Yeah, that was... Yeah. That was an, an incredible, incredible experience. Uh, <clears throat> let's start off talking about the domestic uh, issues. And I should say to my audience that this, if you want to know jazz, this is the man to know. <laughs> and then I found out today that he call, he considers himself a gillologist. Oh no question. Uh, an expert on the uh, on the work of Gil Scott Herring, who we lost um, two weeks on May twenty seventh, mm-hmm. and we just did a show uh, to honor his life and his music uh, last week, uh, which featured the BBC documentary "The Revolution Will Not Be Televised," and both the lyrics and the music of Gil Scott Heron. I wish I had known. I certainly would have invited you for that. But let's start off by talking about um, where we are in this country as black people. Uh, One of the things that has been a serious and consistent topic that's brought up here at Our Common Ground is the uh, seeming loyalty that... Um, black people have maintained around uh, supporting President Obama despite some of the uh, very critical issues that have not been addressed concisely or precisely and the mainstream issues which impact uh, black people um, deeply. Mm-hmm. And that has to do with the economy, that has to do with federal assistance and housing and health, and it has to do with um, the notion of jobs for black people. Uh, what have you been hearing? What What's your take, Dr. Leon? Well, that's a wow. That that's a that's a that's a very very complex. Uh, uh, situation uh, because the first of all let's let's take the loyalty i think the loyalty is uh based upon a couple of different factors one is the historic factor and, and the fact mm-hmm. that um you know very few of us thought ever in our lifetime that we would see an african american president and so for us to uh, have achieved that uh, that 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 accomplishment um, is is an incredible feat and something uh, to be incredibly proud of. Uh, and so there are a number of people that that base their loyalty there. Uh, there is the symbolic uh, aspect of this in terms of, you know, when I was I'm 52, and so when it, when I was a kid, 
uh, my parents and others in the community would tell me, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. You could even be president one day. Wink, wink. Uh-huh. Well, uh-huh. I'm now. I was able when when uh, Senator Obama clinched the nomination when he got enough uh, delegates. I believe he was in Minnesota, and he was giving a speech. And I was able to bring then my, I guess, seven-year-old son into the room, and he and I watched it together. And I was able to say to him literally with tears in my eyes, look, son, he looks like you. His skin color, his hair texture, uh, listen to his articulation. You can do that. That became a reality. That, that, that symbolism became a true reality for my son. So there are those of us that are loyal because of the of the, of the symbolism. Mhm. Yeah, then, you wrote in your piece in Truthworks which was published on May 20th, you wrote a very troubling pattern is developing with certain segments of the African American community. There's a concerted effort by some within the community to silence those who are offering honest, valid, and well-thought-through analysis and criticism of the Obama administration. And for those of you who are listening, you can find this uh, on the Our Common Ground Community Center at Ning. Honest well, criticism is not betrayal. It's the, democratic. The, 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 the final point is on the, on the, on the uh, loyalty has to do with a lot of the attacks that the president is facing are based on race. And so there are many of us, myself being included, who at times disagree or differ with his policy, but there's no way that we can tolerate a racial attack because when he is depicted as a chimpanzee, when he is depicted uh uh, characterized as a cartoon in, in a cartoon as a terrorist, then that means they would have no problem depicting me as such. So, so we have to on the racial side of things, you know, we have to uh, support him in that regard uh, because a, a, a race-based attack on one of us is a race-based attack on all of us. Now, with that having been said, to 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 the piece of mind that you that you wrote, I have noticed over the last couple months whether it's listening to Tom Joyner, who has said on his show a couple of times that critics of the president need to shut up, that critics of the president are haters, that critics of the president um, are, are laying groundwork for his defeat. Um, that's very dangerous language, in my opinion. Uh, I've heard Reverend Sharpton uh, criticize those and try to silence those who are critical of the president. And then even many of us find at dinner parties or uh, just at cookouts or, you know, we may wind up saying something questioning the Libya policy or questioning the Afghanistan policy or questioning the bank bailout, and people want to look at us like we have three heads. How, could you, how can you criticize the president? Well, in a representative democracy, when you disagree with the policy that's put forth, that's what you're supposed to do. That's how the system works. That's what makes the system work. That's what allows for the system to work. That's why we have a First Amendment. Uh, so there are, there are many who I think are so caught up in the history, they're so caught up in the symbolism, that they can't 
see beyond that, and that then prevents them from engaging in critical analysis. Now, let me say, uh, the personal attacks, I don't believe, have any place in the discussion. Uh, For uh, Professor West to say that because he was raised in Hawaii uh, and his mother was white, that President Obama is afraid of free black men. That's so far off the planet, and for a man of, of Cornell's intellect, that's utterly stupid. But his policy analysis, when he talks about uh, uh, his, his financial policy, and when he talks about the fact that no one is addressing the plight of the poor in this country, he's dead on target there. But unfortunately, because he went so far off the planet with the personal attacks, people focus on that, and then the legitimate policy analysis gets kicked to the curb. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and I think it's the kind of what's happening between um, what I call the Nell camp <laughs> and, and the Sharpton camp uh, is really furthering um, the, the confusion that working black people who who want to be interested, who want to understand what's going on, it, it just it just further complicates and makes these issues more complex. And I think you're absolutely right that we're not talking public policy about this president. We're talking about whether or not he stands up and he has a backbone. And uh, I mean, um, I don't know how to measure without being in the in the conference or in the meeting whether or not uh the right kind of decision or the right kind of compromise and negotiation has occurred. So how do we how do we help people to unravel this? Well, listening to shows like yours, uh listening to, to programs like mine, listening to the programs of your co host, um critical analysis and, and that was something that if you, you heard the show today um, my first guests, uh, Dr. Williams and his wife, Dr. J- Dr. Johnson, they kept going back to critical thinking and critical analysis, and mm-hmm. and and I think it's incumbent upon us to read different sources in order to uh, get a cross good cross section of of input. Uh, unfortunately, I think that too many of us watch programs or listen to programs or read things that validate our opinions. We don't listen to, watch, or read things that will forth, that will challenge our beliefs and force us to think critically. And, mm-hmm. and so we need to listen to and read other sources. We need to turn to the BBC. We need to read Agents France Press. We need to read uh what's it called? I think it's either Air or Der Spiegel or Spiegel in, in, in Germany. And now with the internet, you know, you can read you can get access to English translations. We need to watch Al Al Jazeera English. That's one of the best sources of news unless you want critical analysis Absolutely. of the Middle East. That's one of the best sources of news you can get right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but you'll find you'll hear you'll hear people in our community say, "Oh, I'm not watching uh, Al Jazeera. That's that's that damn terrorist station." No, a <laughs> lot of those folks 
are former BBC reporters and editors and journalists that have been hired by Al Jazeera, and they're doing incredible analysis. Real quick, uh, a couple weeks ago, Sunday, 10.30, I'm watching Fox, uh, uh, the Fox channel, my local affiliate, which is a very good channel, and they say the president is going to speak in a few minutes. And so I'm, oh, wow, what's the president on a Sunday at 10.30? What the heck is he going to talk about? And then they come on and they say, we believe he's going to report that Osama bin Laden has been killed. Well, the first thing I did, I didn't go to CNN. I didn't go to MSNBC. I went to Al Jazeera. Yeah. And when I turned on Al Jazeera, Robert Fisk was speaking. And and for those who don't know, Robert Fisk is a journalist for the Independent UK in London. He's lived in Lebanon for about 32 years. He's interviewed Osama bin Laden about five or six times and is one of the one of the I think foremost independent experts on the guy. He's 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 interviewed him in caves in Tora Bora. And he was speaking and providing analysis. You didn't hear Robert Fisk on any other uh, network. American network, yes. Right, other than uh, my show. He was on my show the following week. Oh, was he? Oh, yeah. Robert Fisk, and I think that interview was up on my website. I'm not sure if my webmaster got it up there. I think it is. Okay. Um, okay. And Would you it, tell it, our audience where your website is? Oh, WilmerLeon.com. Just go to okay. WilmerLeon.com and click on uh, Listen Now. And I mm-hmm. think that Robert Fisk interview is up there. Um, and at the end of the interview, when I thanked him for coming on the show, he said, Wilmer, I came on your show. I will not do NBC. I will not do ABC. I will not do CBS because I refuse to play into the spin that they keep trying to get me to do. So you will never hear me on those channels, but I'm more than happy to come on your program. Dr. Lee, go ahead, Alpha. Yes. As you, as you spoke about Al Jazeera and the, I would call it the hit job that the American press has done to Al Jazeera and how they have framed the narrative that these are the terrorists. This is the, this is the Muslim, the terrorist network and all of the other uh, I would have to say somewhat journalistic networks as opposed to what we have here in America is the corporate media and they lean and they're slanted to the right and when you hear those scenarios play out and we are inundated with the propaganda and I call it propaganda because that's what American media and those sources, that's what they bring us. And it's just it's just a war of perception at this time. People don't look at the BBC or they don't look at, you know, Al Jazeera and any other news source because it's not made that's like Fox saying that they're number one when they're on every basic cable package that, you know, is brought to the American public for no extra charge. And you have other networks that you have to really put, you have to pay extra for. You know, and to me, it's just so slanted when we well, get this constant news, this constant propaganda. Well, to me, this is, that's a, that's a great, great point. And to me, this is where the critical analysis comes in. Because 
when you hear uh, someone say that Al Jazeera is that terrorist network, well, then just Google Al Jazeera and find out who's backing Al Jazeera. And it's Saudi Arabia. That's a, that's a, that's a Saudi Arabian uh, network. So now if that means that Al Jazeera is a terrorist network and Saudi Arabia is backing it, then why then is that terrorist one of our greatest allies in the Middle East? So well, to me, why that, is that, I'm sorry, why is that um, second largest shareholder a Fox, uh, a Saudi prince? Well, and see, that's where the that's where the critical analysis has has to come in, and people have to ask those questions. And to your point about mainstream American television, you want to turn to NBC, and you think that you want to get independent uh, journalistic analysis of the war, but then you have to Google NBC and realize that General Electric, one of the largest defense contractors in this country, let alone the world owns NBC, so do you think that, that, that General Electric is going to uh, promote on a regular basis analysis that is detrimental to their interests, which is promoting war and profiteering off of war? As Gil Scott Heron once said, uh, um, ask them why they're fighting, and they'll never tell you the economics of war. So, so that's, again, where the critical analysis comes in, and, 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 and this is what I say to my students. I'm not saying don't watch NBC. I'm not saying don't watch MSNBC or CNN. What I'm saying is understand the source and understand why the source is giving you the information that they're giving you. That's why I said that Al Jazeera is a great source of news unless you want critical analysis of the Middle East because they're a Saudi-based network, and that to me is one of their uh, soft spots is they're going to be sure that they promote what they deem to be the best interest as it relates to Middle East coverage and, and the up and the democratic uprisings in the region. They're going to promote what they believe to be in the best interest of the Saudi royal family. And I ain't mad at them. I mean, that's you know, you just have to understand the animal that you're dealing with and the and the and the nature of the beast. Well. One of the, the concerns uh, that I have is uh, two uh, that come out of this discussion. One is how we begin to teach critical thinking and critical analysis, not only in terms of formal education to our children, but informal education to our adult population in our community. The other is that with the reduction of the number of black newspapers in this country that the the normal go to work 9 to 5 come home take care of the kids mow the lawn people don't have access to uh for instance um one of the things that just breaks my heart is to see all of these young people on the trains and the buses in the Boston area and they're reading the Metro, which is a free paper that's given out at all of the MBTA stations uh, across the city. And it is clearly um, information which is slanted to the conservative um, political philosophy. The conser- it is clearly um, a paper 
which um, is not going to foster uh, the kind of distribution of information that we need in our community. Uh, I mean, if you, the numbers are skewed, everything, the, the, the storylines are skewed, everything. And one of the things that I like about what you're doing, Wilmer, is that you have partnered with Truthout. You have partnered with some other outlets. So when you write, black people are able to find what you are writing progressive community is able to find what you're writing. And one of the things, Mel Miller, who is and has been the editor of the Bay State Banner here in Boston for more than uh, 50 years, I have been having discussions with him about <clears throat> formulating a paper. I mean, his paper has been the black community's paper for 50 years, mm -hmm. and now it is a free paper. I don't know how it's free. I, I haven't been able to get that out of him yet. <laughs> but one of the things I'm saying to him, this is an opportunity for you to expose the black community to political progressive thought, which serves their information needs, and it's not just um, rehashing of something they saw in Jet Magazine or rehashing something they saw in the Boston Globe. But we've got to start thinking more progressive about how we do what we do and how we can do it better. You're absolutely right. Uh, to your question, uh, your initial question about um, critical thinking in terms of our children, my son is nine years old. And when he comes to me and says, you know, Daddy, what is this? Hey, son, go figure it out. At least go try to figure it out. And then if you can't, then come back to me and say, this is what I've tried to do. This is what I need help with. When he comes to me and says, Daddy, um, how do you spell whatever? Son, go get the dictionary. That big red book that's in my office on the floor on the left-hand side of my desk, go get that and look it up. And then if you can't find it, come to me, and I'll help you then go through the dictionary and figure out. And some people have said to me, you may have heard this said on the show today, um, well, wh why don't you send him to Google? I said, I can't send him to Google until he first learns how to use a dictionary. I want my son to learn how to use a, dic a book, a dictionary. Before I get him... Before I get him a digital watch, he needs to learn how to tell time with an analog clock. You know, mm -hmm. to me, those are the things, the little things that, in terms of our children, that, that we have to start implementing uh, to get them to understand the basics. You've got mm -hmm. a brain, use it. Mm -hmm. that, I say that to him that, all the time. Hmm? One of the things that I get concerned about uh, is whether or not this president is using some critical analysis about his positioning uh, in uh, with the people who supported him and elected him and the people that he is surrounded by in his quest for some kind of bipartisan um, conference going on with the Congress. Uh, because I'm thinking that maybe he's not doing the critical analysis. 
What do you think? Well, no, he's a pretty smart guy. Yeah, he's um, very smart. He, he and and the question that I'm starting to um ask myself and and I've asked, you know, Tom Porter and I've talked to Askia and others um uh, is are the politics that he ran on and the politics that he won on truly his politics? And the answer that his actions and his policies seem to be indicating to me are no, they're not. They never were. He's a corporatist through and through. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that he's been hoodwinked or bamboozled. Uh, I think that uh, I, 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 I guess I should have prefaced it with this. I don't know that anyone at this particular time who becomes president based upon the true financial interests that control this country, are, would really be able to implement the things that he promised us. I, I, it, it would take, it would take uh, uh, it's going to take a hell of a person to be able to go up against uh, the, the, the interests in this, in this country, the international interests, that truly, uh, you know, truly run this show. Um, um, you know, in fact, uh, I don't know if you've read Tariq Ali's book, The Obama Syndrome, Surrender at Home, yeah. War, mm-hmm. War Brought. Mm-hmm. Uh, chapter 3, page 75, he says, Since the right to profit is considered sacrosanct, any serious alternative is automatically rejected. This is the permanent tension that lies at the heart of a capitalist democracy and is exacerbated in times of crisis. In order to ensure the survival of the richest, it is democracy that has to be heavily regulated rather than capitalism. That is a hell of an analysis right there. Yeah. And yeah. so well, with that, if, 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 you understand, if you believe the fundamental premise of that analysis then no matter who is sitting in that seat, that's what they have to grapple with. And I don't think that he ever came into the position intending to do the things that he ran on. Okay. Well, (laughs) wouldn't (laughs) – you know, one of the things – I was saying doing this campaign, and I worked very hard. I mean, I was dragging my grandchildren um, across the, the, the state uh, for months, going from this event to campaign event to that campaign event. And my grandson and I were having a conversation a couple of, um, about a week ago, and he was telling me that, um, he's he's tired of kids at school telling him because they know he's a big Obama uh, supporter that Obama's a bad president and Obama's um, some some kid told him Obama was going to tap everybody's phones <laughs> <laughs> and he's nine years old <laughs> so and he watched uh, the Freedom uh, Bus um, uh, documentary. Mm-hmm. The Freedom Riders, mm-hmm. and um, he uh, said that 
uh, he was afraid that the president wasn't going to be, because he's been hearing that the president is not strong enough, that that he's not uh, that he's not saving, or he used the word saving, black people, and that we're going to not be able to ride on buses and trains, and he was going on and on. Mm-hmm. And I felt really bad about that and and had to talk a, a little about Social Security and how many people in, in the House and how many people in the Senate and the Democrats and the Republicans, and I think I lost him. But one of the things that you just said is that you don't think he intended to. No, 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 and, and particularly as it relates to African Americans and the poor. Now, some listening would then ask me, so, so what are you saying? What do we do? Do we give up? No, it's not that President Obama isn't strong enough to do it. It's that we as African Americans and we as people of color have not demanded that he do it. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. to me, that to me is the is the is the shortcoming in the argument. We're not in the streets. I I I've said on the show a number of times you still got too many black people walking around with the champagne bottles from 2008 celebrating his election. Them Negroes need to understand that those bottles are empty now. And they need to start throwing those bottles. Figure, figure, figuratively, figuratively, not literally. I've got to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about those bottles because I think you're absolutely right that he was very clear uh, in his politics as a senator, in his campaign, that he is going to respond to those. That's right who make the most noise. There you go. You're listening to Our Common Ground. Our guest tonight with my co-host, Alpha of the Alpha Show, is Dr. Wilma Leon. He's a political scientist uh, and the host and producer of the nationally broadcast call-in talk program Inside the Issues with uh, Wilma Leon, and we'll be right back. You stay with us, and we'll um, talk some more about the intentional president. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. You're listening to Our Common Ground. We'll be right back with more imported talk. Stay tuned. Slowing us down, the traffic light can keep us going. 
You know that the lawnmower makes life easier, that the blood bank makes life possible. But did you know all these ideas came from the minds of African Americans? Support the United Negro College Fund, because a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Visit uncf.org or call 1-800-332-UNCF. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. Each co-brother, Charles or David, name him, either one of them, are worth more than $21.5 billion. How much money can half a billion buy you and influence and buying the media and what you want? Have they had a little hand in just about everything? From the media, messaging, and the propaganda, to the right-wing think tank that cloaks their involvement, that cloaks the funding and where it's coming from, as they are set up as a non-profit organization. This is Alpha, hosting the best of Pushback Talk Radio. TruthWorks Network. I believe in truth. And thank you for being here with us at Our Common Ground. Wilmer Leon of XM Sirius Radio, Issues in uh, Inside the Issues with Dr. Leon is our guest tonight and co-hosting with me and celebrating my 20th year on the air uh, is Alpha of the Alpha Show. Dr. Leon, thank you so much for uh, being with us before we took that little break. Um, one, we, we're talking about this president. And his intent, and 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 I hear you saying that he didn't intend to do these things. Well, no, he 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 let us know that up front, and 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 this is one of the things that I I say to my guests all the time when they keep complaining about what he's not doing for us. He told you up front what part of that message didn't y'all get? That yeah, he, that, that you've that, got to have thousands of people in front of the White House before he's going to respond, which is why he's responding to don't ask, don't tell, in a way that's making it very complex for him. Because now the new wave, for those of you who haven't noticed, they're calling him gay. Look, he what's, the, what's one of the first pieces of legislation that he signed when he got into office? The Lilly Ledbetter Equal Pay Act. Why? because he wanted to let women know, particularly those who were still angry that Hillary Clinton was not the president, the Democratic nominee, he wanted to let them know that he was going to take care of them. His first opportunity to appoint a Supreme Court, to nominate a Supreme Court justice, what does he do? Sonia Sotomayor. 
Now, she's qualified as hell. I ain't, I'm not saying to take nothing from her. What I'm saying is that political, that, that Supreme Court nominations are not only um, um, ideological uh, judicial appointments, they are also political considerations. And the political consideration that he made with Sonia Sotomayor was thanking the Hispanic community for their support. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he even tripped over Charles Ogletree and Crenshaw oh out, out out on the West Coast. I mean... Hasn't um, even interviewed an African-American to this point. An African-American has not even been interviewed for mm-hmm. was, for for Sonia Sotomayor's nomination, for uh, uh, Kagan's nomination. There were no African-Americans interviewed at that time, and there haven't been any interviewed to this day. Now... So, again, many would say, well, Wilmer, what are you saying? Are you saying he's a Tom? No, I'm not saying that. What, are you saying he's anti-black? No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that our politics has to mature. As African Americans, our politics has to mature. And we have to understand the, the concepts of interest group politics and identity politics in this country. That's how the system was designed. And right now, our our African-American interest group, too many of us are afraid to be black, and we are afraid to go and do what we had to do in the 60s in order to get the civil rights legislation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The Congressional Black Caucus is not calling us to action. No, and no one else is calling us to action. And no one one else is calling us to action. I mean, there is something safe that's in the air. And the safety issue for us, and when you talk about interest politics, one of the most um, important and critical issues coming down the road, it's happening now, is the issue of voter suppression. Mm -hmm. You want to be a safe Negro? then let's concentrate on the vote if electoral politics is the only thing that you're interested in. And that's being campaigned so that fewer Hispanics, fewer black people vote. So if you value that, there's your interest. Oh, absolutely. And so you have to look at the redistricting that's taking place. You know, they're talking about uh, uh, Anthony Weiner and that whole issue in New York. Well, that district, um, I mean, that area in Queens and in Brooklyn, they're losing two seats mm-hmm. through re- through redistricting. So not only are there uh, kind of, you know, uh, undercover securities, you know, identification cards and other kinds of things that are being put in place to suppress voter turnout, but then you have the legal mechanisms of redistricting that are being put in place uh to 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 uh to accomplish the similar end. Mhm. You know, one of the things that I, I was talking about last week on this program was the idea that we have to understand how historically uh communities in the South especially and in the Midwest were populated by black people. And it had to do with railroad tracks. And redistricting has everything to do with contiguous um, uh, population that is of mutual interest. And what has been happening since 
the uh, Ronald Reagan administration is that in the South, specifically on the east and west coasts of all the way from South Florida all the way into the Carolinas, has been that downtown development has broken the contiguous for for districting redistricting that you need the contiguous pop, uh, population patterns. So they're breaking up what was the traditional black communities, building downtowns, taking out um, uh, using the the railroad tracks, and I would guarantee you that. Over the next two years, there's going to be so much redistricting that where there are local, municipal, county, and state districts which are predominantly African-American, there will be none. That's one kind of campaign for voter suppression. Not, Not only did they use railroad tracks, but in the 50s and the 60s, they used freeways. As yes. freeways were brought into as the as the as the highway system in in the 40s and 50s was being developed a lot through uh, uh, well the, uh, the, the, how freeways came through cities played a similar role. You can look at I think you can look in Detroit. I know you can look in Oakland. I believe you can look in Cleveland. You can look in Baltimore. You can look at how the freeways were brought and where they were brought in. And on one side of the freeway, you have development. On the other side of the freeway, you have poor black people. Exactly. Exactly, because that is exactly how, and it's not just the Dan Ryan freeway. I'm talking about the Eisenhower. I'm talking about the Stevenson. All of these uh, thoroughfares that run through this neck of the woods here in Chicago represent a pattern, a systematic, a systemic pattern of just blocking it off and coordinating the whole thing off. Put the haves on one side and the have-nots on the other, and basically politics in that way. Absolutely, you know. And let me let me take a step back to to an issue uh, that you know we were talking about in terms of President Obama and and our lack of pressure on him. You know, if you go back to like 1935, 1936, you go back to President Roosevelt and A. Philip Randolph, who led the uh, the, the sleeping car porters union. He goes to Roosevelt and he says, you know, I need you to implement legislation that's going to deal with this employment discrimination and other discrimination in the country. And Roosevelt says, man, I'm down with you, but you've got to make me do it. Mm-hmm. You have to go out and create the environment that will force me to do this. And mm-hmm. that's the lesson that for some reason now, you know, we're not understanding. We don't no. understand. We're, we're taking for granted that President Obama is going to do this. He, We have to make him do it. And that brings you to the issue of black civic engagement that there are organizations which really are uh, fundamentally crafted to work on issues like um, the issues of um, voter suppression, issues of economic, well, okay. ACORN was one of those, was one of those, uh, one of those organizations. If people want to know 
why ACORN was targeted from the very beginning. They were getting ready for for 2012. Exactly. They had been so effective in 2008 that the Republicans under and the conservatives understood that they were going to have to be attacked. And that's exact. That was nothing more than a than a smear campaign. Exactly. It was a hit job, and they were very successful at it. And then they turned it on uh, the, what is the green, uh, Van Jones. Then they turned around and they turned it on. This is, you know, we can sit and we can speak about critical thinking, and I have, I, I agree with you 100%. I'm going to send you the article, Alpha. <laughs> when you talk about, when you talk about a systematic attack, that's like me seeing my neighbor trying to break into my garage the night before, and in the day he wants to come over and sit on my patio and barbecue with me. There has to be, uh, 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 we have to recognize that these people, all of this bipartisanship and all of these are people who are nefarious in their dealings and in, and in their ways. And you can... You can talk about bipartisanship. You can talk about going along, getting along. You can talk about politicking. But when there is a rat in the room, you exterminate that rat. Nobody has seemed to question. One of the first things that Senator Mitch McConnell said when President Obama was elected, my primary objective is to see to it that he does not get reelected. Mitch McConnell, the Senate yeah, Minority Leader from Kentucky, stood there and publicly he said that. Said was the that. role of the Republican National Party. He, he said stood it. there and said that to America. Oh, so when you when you hear that, and when the president knows that three months into office that they are not going to work with him, they are not trying to work with him. And he still offers up this facade and this olive branch and a, and a never-ending dribble of we want to get along, we want to work along with, you know, I can, I can see it if there was a chance, there was an opportunity to get them to, you know, come together in a bipartisan effort. They had no intention. He wasted two years trying to be their friends, and now they've been attacking him for 30 months, and now the things that they have said about him have taken hold. But the question really really is whether or not he has been taken or whether or not he is biding the time for the planet to be placed in position for what is essentially happening, a, a corporate takeover of our government. Well, uh, again, he's not a stupid guy. And when you look at some of his votes in Chicago when he was in the Senate and the things that he that he voted for and the things that he voted against, he's a corporatist. Yes. It's not an accident. It's not an it's not an accident. If we if we look back at the Clinton administration and we look at who was in charge of the Treasury Department and who Clinton's financial advisors were, they were Robert Rubin, they were uh Summers and P. 
Timothy Geithner. Mm-hmm. And during the Clinton administration is when the um, the, the the financial crisis really began. The first the the, the whole um, um, uh, 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 credit default swap well, that thing. Was, uh, Commodities Future Modernization right. Act. After that, he had uh, done, you know, it was in the beginning of his presidency when Glass-Steagall fell. And there was a woman by the name of Brooksley Bourne. Exactly. Bourne. Who, and she sounded the alarm and no one, and, and they, they women, attacked her. Who attacked her? They, Robert they, Rubin, Timothy Geithner. Larry Summers. And mm-hmm. Summers. And Timothy Yep, that's right. That's right. They attacked but, her for and, and for warning, and, and they minimized her, which is different. Which is which resulted been, in her resignation. Exactly. Exactly. They they told her she wanted to regulate the um, credit default swap trading, and they told her, "Why are you doing this?" Things are working fine. The economy is running great. And she understood very clearly that when it starts to unravel, this whole thing is going to collapse. No one is screaming about, Mr. President, if these were the guys that, when the alarm was sounded, took the battery out of the alarm and allowed the house to burn down, why have you brought the same idiots back? That's why I'm saying. That's why I'm saying this is no accident. He well, is a corporatist. Yeah, well, that's, that's a reality. You're right about that. But when look at look at the scenario in which by which Summers and Geithner and Bernanke slid into those seats. Right. Where'd they come Do you from? You really believe that uh, there were other people who were basically strangers to the clique. Of the Federal Reserve would been would have been allowed to uh, hold that type of power over that particular organization. Well, Those I think Geithner, I think Geithner was in, was 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 head of the New York Reserve. Exactly, he, he was head of the New York Fed. But what the president needed, and when he put those people in those places, he understood that someone like what's the the, the big guy's name, the tall the tall guy, the economist who he just left not too long ago. Oh, uh, not not the guy, not the old guy with the glasses. Yeah, the old. What's his name? Um, oh gosh, he was head of the Fed for a million years. Right. Um, go ahead, it will come to me. Oh, he's married, Alan he's married. He's married to what's her name from NBC? Alan Greenspan. Alan Greenspan. Oh, oh, not Alan Greenspan. Alan Greenspan was the Ann Rand corporatist that brought us to where we are, and then played dumb like. Oh, I made a mistake. It, after yeah, free the, markets. Free markets really don't work. Right. <laughs> but you see, put the stock market at sixty-seven hundred. Do you actually think that he would have been able to put those economists in at the Fed level? Right. That's his name, Paul Volcker. Paul Volcker. Okay. Paul, Volcker. Volcker. Do you uh, think he could have put Paul Volcker? Do you think he could have put basically people who weren't in the Volcker has, had been out for some time. Whether or not the the board of the Fed would accept him being catapulted into a position like that and then working along with him. 
I think when he brought in Summers, Geithner, and Bernanke, he was simply not trying not to rock the boat. And instead of once it recovered, once the stock market recovered, you know, turning your attention to the millions of people who have been foreclosed on was nothing more than a winner for him. But, you know, to to say that he didn't want to rock the boat, he was elected to rock the boat. That's That's what what I mean. That's like why, you said, he, those weren't his intentions. Those were yeah. never his intentions. He no. never, We've he got never calls made coming up on the board. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it is clear that let me, let, he was working on an agenda that definitely was not the agenda he was articulating. The, uh, the guy that in the Bush administration at the very end that came, he was from Salmon, from Salmon Brothers. They came in with the plan to bail out the banks. Um, he was George Bush's guy. Paulson. Uh, huh? Paul Paulson? Paulson. Paulson. Yeah, Henry Paulson. Mm-hmm. Henry Paulson. Henry, Henry Paulson. Paulson. Henry Paulson comes up. He's got seven pieces of paper in his hand. I and thought it said, was three. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was seven. It was and seven he, pages. And he yeah. says, he says, I need you all to give me $700 billion. That's why I know it was seven because it was a billion dollars a page. I need you to give me $700 billion. Don't ask me how I'm going to spend it. Don't hold me accountable for it, for for how it's – I'm saying he's trying to steal $700 billion, people. And, 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 and nobody said anything. Yeah, no, nobody said anything. Nobody said anything. Well, I mean, they, they rejected his plan, but excuse me, Henry Paulson. And, and you're no trying to steal $700 billion. No oh, accountability. No accountability. When, when the government distributes funds to a grantee, <laughs> that grantee has to sign 20-some pages of detail and what day every report is going to happen every quarter there, there about every dime. Hank Paulson Leonard wants $700 billion. went to prison for seven years. Because he took $50,000 from one project and put it on another project. And, and, Henry, and Henry Paulson wants $700 billion. $700 billion, exactly. America. You're what listening was... to Our Common Ground at Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> We're speaking truth to power and ourselves. We're talking about the Obama administration and the genesis to where we are through the Black Depression. We're going to go to our phones with Dr. Wilmer Leon and Alpho of the Alpho Show. 610, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. And thank you for having me. Uh, this is Brother Brock, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Hello, Hotel. Hotel, hey, Brother, Brother Brock. Brock. Good day to all, good day to all, and the people in the chat room, as well as uh, listening on the Internet and blog talk or talking main. Uh, I just had two quick questions as I listened intensely. Uh, excellent uh, uh, analogy by the uh, host, the guest there. Uh, how do you... Dr. And, and, Roman Leon. And, uh, Dr. Roman Leon. Uh, concerning the uh, comment concerning the president and the people who are, 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 are not... Making demands Uh, Brother uh, Professor uh, Cornell West He has been adamant with making His demands heard Out loud And 
many people push back against him about airing dirty laundry. How do you take, what is your take on him? Should he have said what he said publicly? I feel as though it was a good thing that he did. That's my first question. And then my second and last question would be, uh, how does the Tea Party fit in? Because the Tea Party, when you when we mentioned about the president being corporate uh, corporate president, supporting uh, Wall Street, and bringing in, and I've always said he brought in all the uh, the uh, the retreads from the Clinton administration and the Bush administration. How is it that the Tea Party does not accept the fact that this president has supported corporate America and Wall Street? And Wall Street, as uh, Brother Alpha was pointed out many times, Wall Street is, has has gone through the roof from the time the president got there to the time they went now, from coming from uh, under eight under seven hundred or eight hundred. On the stock exchange, New York stock exchange, to uh, I think they went over twelve hundred at one point. He's climbing up to thirteen hundred. So those are my two questions. Well, Brother Brock, when you start talking about the fact that he he brought those people in with him, now he brought those people. Like I said, he brought those people in with him as a stabilizer, or that what was going to happen happened. And when you start talking about uh, what, what he his primary goal was to make sure they felt no pain, and rather than after their pain was eased, and you know him trying to shame bankers into stopping the bonuses, you know it, that was pathetic. That was pathetic. Yeah, that that, that is in, that's indeed a form money, of and they should have been forced to. Stop, they should have stopped those bonuses. They, and the first thing they preached about were, oh, you have to honor these contracts. And now what are they doing? They're breaking pension contracts with teachers. They're breaking contracts with public workers. You see, you can't preach on one end, and then when you get to the other end, it, you know, all bets are off. Contracts mean nothing. Dr. It, Leon, what's your take on 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 this issue about how they rationalize hmm. or not rationalize. Well, how, how, in terms of in terms of the bank bailout. No, just, just in terms of the attitude, the 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 way that it seems like Barack Obama has appeased corporate America to the to the hill. Well, but, he was. But, he the, was, but the tea baggers don't even don't even acknowledge that or is it just straight up racism because they don't acknowledge it okay or they okay not, or they are they not benefiting at all the baggers for the most part are white people okay let me let me answer let me answer your let me answer your first question first cuz that's the quickest answer which had to do with with Cornell Cornell West okay yeah as i said early on in the show um a lot of what Cornell's a lot of Cornell's criticisms as it relates to policy are dead on point. I agree with him a, a thousand percent. His problem, in my opinion, comes from his personalizing his issues, such as I didn't get a ticket to the to the uh, inauguration, and so woe is me. Um, and when he starts personalizing the president's ethnicity and saying that because his mother was white, he's afraid of free black men, that kind of stuff. Whether it's true or not, I'm not even going to get into that conversation. It has no place in the dialogue because it adds no value. It doesn't move us forward. It's a distraction. Okay. And so the personal attacks on the president, 
are, are, are to me totally unfounded, and they do nothing but confuse the issue. So, so long as Cornell's talking policy, I'm with him. When he talks about the oligarchs and all of that, he's absolutely right. But the personal stuff has no place to me in the dialogue. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, when you talk about the Tea Party, uh, Dr. Ronald Walters wrote an incredible book called White Nationalism, Black Interests, um, uh, Conservative Public Policy in the Black Community. And in that book, he didn't call it the Tea Party by name, but in that book uh, he, he clearly uh, talked about the, the 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 and this was in 2003 when that book was written. In 2003, he was talking about what he called the politics of resentment, and in terms of what Dr. King in Where Do We Go From Here referred to that as white backlash. It's all part of the same uh, mentality, and. Uh, in the in the fifties, I think it was the fifties. It was the Dixie, or was it the forties? It was the Dixiecrats, right? They were so opposed to the Republican Party supporting. I'm sorry, the Democratic Party supporting Southern Democrats were so opposed to the Democratic Party supporting liberal uh, civil rights that uh, Strom Thurmond started his own party called the Dixiecrats. Well, to me, to a great degree, the Tea Party is nothing more than modern day Dixiecrats. And what they're doing is they're pushing the Republican Party so far to the right that that there's no – and it's based on ideology, not based upon reality – that there's no room in the middle anymore for dialogue. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're going to go to 916. Thank you, Brother Brock, for your call from Philadelphia, PA. Um, we're going to go to 916. You're on the air. I respect you at our common ground. I'd like to say uh, much respect from uh, Mrs. Graham and Alpho, and I'd like to say uh, much respect to you, Dr. Uh, Leon, coming from a fellow Alpha man man. like yourself. Uh, 06, 06. (laughs) 06 to you. I'm uh, enjoying tremendously uh, the conversation because I'm learning. My ears are wide open to everything that's being said. I have a question uh, for you, Dr. Leon, uh, my dear Fred brother, uh, do you think that part of our problem as a community is that we we dearly wanted President Obama to be an activist president because that is the cloth that he portrayed himself as coming from Chicago as a community organizer. And then being an activist, we thought he was going to be able to go into the White House, fight against the system, which isn't much bigger than him, but fight against the system and turn things around but instead what we're seeing is status quo because maybe the system is bigger than him. Uh, and just like you said, he never really really wanted to do those things uh, because he knew he had to keep the wheels turning to keep this system turning, whether it be uh, corporations. And I believe corporations have always taken over uh, the government ever since Reagan got in and turned down all the regulations. So... I think we have put a lot of our wishes in the wrong well, and we need to focus more on our community, our individual local government, uh, and get some pushback on Obama because, like you said, he's saying, make me do it. And every president has had to be made to do it. Information Man, let's get a response from Dr. Leon. Thank you so much for your call. We've got a board full here. Uh, Dr. Leon, I think people do want to – 
uh, have some thought about uh, what that is about. Well, we I, I think I think my my dear frat brother, the good alpha man, uh, uh, is absolutely right. You know, I remember during the campaign, I was listening to Michelle during Michelle Obama during an interview, and uh, someone asked her. This was when it when when the Obama machine really started to gain traction, and someone asked her. Um, how are you all going to be able to withstand the scrutiny and withstand the pressure of, of presidential campaigning and whatnot? And she looked in the camera and she said, don't forget, we're from Chicago. And when she said that, I literally jumped out of my chair and I started screaming at the television, Go ahead, go ahead, because I thought, oh my God, we've got some stone cold gangsters coming up in here. We you know we got some El Rukins up in this camp. We're gonna go in here and take this thing over. And I'm waiting for them to go south side on me, and they go Hyde Park. Okay. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's where they're <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? So, 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 uh, but again, we to a great degree have 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 uh, uh, forsaken our responsibilities, and we're waiting for him to do it for us, and we don't understand that we have to insert foot in ass and make it happen. Yep. 972, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for calling us. You're on the air with uh, Dr. Wilma, Leon, and Alpha. Greetings, Janet. Janice, excuse me, I'm sorry, and Alpha. Dr. Leon, how are you, your favorite caller? I'm good. Sarah, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Leon, this is our second chat for the day. (laughs) How are things in Texas, my dear? I is doing great, Dr. Leon. I'm getting ready to do Juneteenth tomorrow, so I will think of you and your mother, your late mother. Thank you. Peace be upon her, and wish you all of the best. Sarah, I'm glad you brought up Juneteenth. And I'm hoping that all of you will celebrate and teach uh, the history of Juneteenth uh, to your children and to your families. And we've posted a huge amount of information on Juneteenth at Our Common Ground, both on Facebook and at our community site. Sarah, what's on your mind tonight? Well, not much. Well, I'm going to say 08 to my 06. (laughs) But, um, Dr. Leon, I do appreciate um, you being on tonight. And quickly, what I will cover is this. What I've seen the issue is with black people is we don't want to criticize this president. And a lot of it, and we always want to be led somewhere. And I keep asking myself, I keep looking around, why is it that we're the only group of people who have to be led Somewhere. We act as if though we are cattle, we, are, we have to sit around and wait for some leader to materialize and lead us somewhere. It comes from all of this Christian teaching and this Moses leading people out the promised land, and we are the only group because we don't see it in any Asians, the Caucasians, the, uh, the Native Americans, anyone looking for leadership to do anything for them. So this is something I wish that you would touch upon, and you know, we just need to get up off of this Start doing what we need to do for ourselves. This man, as you said, I knew he was a corporatist from the time I pulled his record. I know he's a closeted Republican based on his voting records alone. And he's going to do what he has to do for the corporations and 
we're going to be exactly the way that we were before, and we have got to stop thinking that we have to keep voting for the better of two evils. We are still getting evil. Well, Sarah, you know I love you, dear, and uh, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. The the issue the, I, I would I would take a slightly different bent on the on the Christianity side because if you look at uh, what was our galvanizing force during the civil rights movement? It was the black church, and part of the problem, a huge part of the problem that I see uh, in terms of the the downfall currently, has to do with the black church. And, sold out, and they they have sold out, and to a great degree, it has now to do with this whole foolishness of these prosperity ministries and these shyster preachers such as Eddie Long and Creflo Dollar and T.D. Jakes and these and these other buffoons who are doing nothing in terms of liberation theology like Dr. James Cone, right? They're talking they're talking about bigger houses bigger edifices to worship in and bigger cars and they're not doing anything in terms of political freedom and political movement in this country so uh to a great degree a huge part of the problem i don't think is christianity i believe it is the way that christianity is now being used in many instances to dumb down the minds of american people african-american people in, instead of moving us uh, to a real uh, political freedom again. Uh, James Cone's book, Black Theology and Black Power, or his book, God of the Oppressed. You know, those are the things that people need to be looking to in understanding, uh, you know, where Christ is supposed to be in their lives and, 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 and what the real message of Jesus was. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you, you've got T.D. Jakes flying around in a private jet. He's supposed to be Christ-like. Well, last I checked, Jesus didn't even own a mule. So I don't, I don't, I don't understand the correlation. Well, between. I'm not understanding it either. So anyway, uh, and there's a great deal of of uh, of damage that has been done, and I'm almost afraid, Sarah, that we are hard pressed to find ways in which to undo the damage, because in 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 addition to. Uh, those three, you've got hundreds that are emulating them in small communities. And don't get me to talking about my mother's preacher uh, on the air tonight, because we're not going to do that. <laughs> let, me, let me mention one more book uh, quickly. And if you can get this, if you haven't had this brother on your show, The Politics of Jesus, uh, Dr. Aubrey Hendricks, Rediscovering the True Revolutionary okay. Nature of Jesus' Teachings. Okay. Aubrey, oh. everybody needs to get that book. The politics. What's the of title Jesus. again? The politics of Jesus, Doctor hmm. Aubrey Hendricks. Yeah. Well, I certainly will be talking to Doctor Hendricks uh, this week, hopefully. He's at the and, New York Theological Seminary. To understand the damage that it has done, not only in the black community. But in America is one of our other friends, and that's Frank Schaefer's Crazy for God. So, mm-hmm. and, and there should be no black person who has any question about what black theology, uh, black liberation theology is all about if you have not read James Cone. And 
there, there's just no excuse if you say you are a student of libera- liberation. You're listening to Our Common Ground at Blog Talk Radio, and our guest tonight is Dr. Wilma Leon of Inside the Issues at XM Serious Radio. Sarah, and thank you me, for your let call. Let me ask you know also to go you. to my Facebook fan page. Thank you, um, Dr. Leon, and thank you, Janice. Congratulations. Thank you, Sarah. Take care, Sarah. Let, let me ask the, the, also if I could promote my, my Facebook fan you page, Dr. Can. Leon's Prescription at Facebook.com. Dr. Leon's Prescription at Facebook.com. Please, please, please go to my and like my like Dr. my Dr. And, and don't forget to like Our Common Ground at Facebook as well. Yeah. And OurCommonGround.com is where you can find us and find all the links to us. Dr. Leon's because Prescription, yeah. Dr. Dr. Leon's, Dr. Leon's Prescription. Mm-hmm. 914, you're on the air. Yes, hi, Janet. Yes, hello. Hello. Sister hello. Mae Jackson out of Brooklyn, thank you for your call. I respect you, my sister, and much love. Yes, congratulations. And um, I want to go back to the statement that the brother made about um, Cornell. Yes. And I want to say that I support... Cornell West and what he had to say. He got personal. He put in, he involved himself um, in Obama's campaign and he decided to say, you didn't invite, give me a ticket and I'm not mad at him and I don't blame him. And if I had done the kind of work that Cornell did and spoke out on his behalf and Obama had didn't invite me to the White House, give me a ticket, I would have talked about him, his mother, father, sister, and his brother. Well, Number well, one. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me respond to that first, if I may. I, I didn't finish. Let me finish, okay? Okay, I was going to go point the by point with you, part. but go ahead. Go ahead. The second, because politics do get personal. We need to know who's talking. We need to know that Cornell, the person who made the investment, was speaking. And then Cornell, who is, quote, whatever type of a spokesperson, he spoke. When Gil Scott said, when Gil Scott called Gerald Ford Oatmeal Man, <laughs> that was and then he went on to make a political analysis. Nobody talked as bad about white people and calling them names than activists from the 60s. And half of what we said was personal, and the other half was political. So let's not forget that. Most, and we want people to, we, I speak from my personal experience. And my personal experience is my political experience. Now, if folks don't want to talk about uh, uh, their investment in uh, Obama, that's okay. But don't jump on on um, Cornell because he decided to do so. And then, of all people, Al Sharpton? Come on now. That that's all. Most of the time, Al Sharpton does not have any politics, and as a matter of fact, ninety-nine percent of our so-called spokespeople don't have any political analysis. All they can do is get us emotionally upset with personal attacks. 
So let's, if you're going to talk about one, talk about all. Someone just said on this show, and I think it was you, something about black people afraid to, uh, uh, Negroes afraid to be black. That's personal. No, ma'am, it's not. No, it's not. Let me let me explain to you. May I speak now? Are you done? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cornell has to be smarter than that because what happened to Cornell was he got caught up in the politics of distraction, okay? When we uh, are out in the public and we are speaking, we always have to be very conscious of how what we say will be turned and used against us, and we can't afford to give fodder and ammunition to the enemy. So as soon as he spoke personally about how his feelings were hurt because he was not invited to the White House, the rest of the policy analysis got ignored and people latched on to the personal affront. Let me give you a real personal example. When I wrote the piece, uh, Criticism is Not uh, pers- is not um, betrayal, it is, it is democracy, I had been called out personally by Reverend Sharpton. I never mentioned that in the piece that I wrote because I wanted the audience to focus on the issue, which is policy. I'll handle my personal issues with Al Sharpton later. That's not to be debated in the public forum. What is to be debated in the public forum is education, is health care, is employment, and the policy or lack thereof think, from this I administration. Do not think that, uh, I do not think that Cornell went that far out that we were so distracted that we did not understand how that piece connected with the other piece. When you listen the to most of the analysis... Okay, excuse me. Of what he I'm said. saying for me how I heard it, okay? I'm saying how I heard it, how some of the friends that I know who I hang with, how they heard it. We heard it, and we went to the analysis. Now, maybe what we can talk about is that it was a little uncomfortable to see both of them screaming and yelling on this, quote, white liberal show. Uh, a little uncomfortable. It was totally we have seen, and, I mean, and We would rather have seen that discussion in some other black, in a black venue as opposed to on national TV where, we, where they were shouting over each other. It was a bad place to have a discussion to begin with. And so it made it a lot worse, and both of them were distracting in that sense because we didn't get the chance to see or to clearly hear either side of the argument uh, fully as we should have. Please stop underestimating the, you, you know, the intelligence of, of, of black people and especially grassroots black people. We can hear. We can hear. And I'm not a stranger to this. I'm not a stra- I've heard Al. Sh- I'm not a stranger to Al Sharpton. I'm not a stranger. I've heard these people talk, and somebody needs to say something personal about them because they're a damn embarrassment to black people. <laughs> May, thank you for your call. We've got to go to uh, our, our next call. I, I, I think that grassroots activists do respond to a lot of this very differently than people who tend to be political observers. 
let me let me let me make another give another quick example. Tavis Smiley. Most down most of the analysis that Tavis provides of the president is ignored. And it is ignored primarily because he spent so much time complaining that candidate Obama did not come to his uh, State of Black America forum, that his feelings were so hurt by that, that now when he speaks to the most part as, as being critical of the president, a lot of people tune him out because they feel that he's just in a corner sulking because his feelings got hurt. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. That's, my, that's my point, is that keep the, really personal, up. the personal stuff does not add anything to the policy dialogue. That's my point. And, if and you want to complain about him personally, complain about him personally. But keep that out of the policy debate. That's my only point. Yeah. Let's go to 301. 301, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call at Our Common Ground. 301? Oh, good yes, good evening, everybody. This is Lions Den. How's everybody going this evening? Okay, Lions Den, real quick, because I've got to go to a break, and I've got other callers backing up. Um, yes, ma'am. Um, Dr. Leon, quick question. Um, we all know in 2008 that a lot of young voters, like a lot of African-American voters, come out and vote for President Obama in 2008. And ever since then, when he was president, you know, he became the corporate president and all of a sudden he's just leaving, you know, like people like myself behind. Um, my question to you is, can, if, if I mean, what can we do to, I mean, should we vote for President Obama in 2012, or should we create our own party? Because it's like the Democrats, and it's like the Democrats is sold out to the Republican Party. So what can uh, African Americans do? Should we turn out on 2012, or should we sit down, sit, sit, sit at home in 2012? I'm a political scientist, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, that's a great, great question, and, and I'm very glad that you asked it. I'm a political scientist, so I am not about to tell you who to vote for or who not to vote for. What you have to do as an individual is get a clear understanding of what your interests are, and you then have to make an informed, intelligent decision about who that is running uh, is going to provide the best opportunity for your interests to be addressed. Um, should you form a, another party? That's a, that's a great idea, but the problem in America with a, that has a primarily a, a two-party system as opposed to a parliamentary system in other countries such as Britain and other countries where smaller parties still get seats in Congress or seats in Parliament, is that the amount of money that it takes now to mount a serious campaign and serious challenge is such that a a third party has a real, real difficult time getting any, any, any airspace in the debate. Because because the corporate interests are are controlling the two major parties, contributing to the two major parties, the uh, media outlets are tied into that process. So as a third party, such as the Green Party, or if you want to start your Blue Party, or whatever you want to call it, uh, you're going to have an insurmountable problem uh, getting practical uh, uh, traction in the way that the system is set up. 
I would never advocate sitting that that people should sit out because not voting is voting, and because you're voting for the other side. Uh, and when you look at the opposition, and Sarah talked about, unfortunately, not wanting to vote for the lesser of two evils. In this particular instance, when you look at what Bachman is talking about, when you look at what New Gingrich is talking about, when you look at that foolishness that Herb Cain is talking about, if you sit this out and you let one of those buffoons get in, get it, you uh, as uh, uh, um, Bobby Walmack said, if you think it's lonely now, wait until tonight, baby. If you don't vote, you're gonna find out what lonely really is. We we want to thank um, Lions Den for for your call, and that that is a, a good and uh, uh, an excellent question to pose. Because when we come back from this break, I do want to talk about the Joshua uh, generation and this new black media uh, that is rising. And I want to ask you, Dr. Leon, about the assassination of a black citizen by the Miami Police Department okay. uh, on Memorial Day. And I want to talk about prisons. You're listening to Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham, and when we come back, we'll take your calls, 405, I see you there, and we'll come to you. You're listening to Our Common Ground. We'll be right back with more imported talk. Stay tuned.
guest, Dr. Wilmer Leon, talking about protecting our communities to our common ground. And uh, we thank you for being here on our 20th anniversary of Our Common Ground that we will celebrate on Monday. And um, Dr. Leon, before we went on break, we do want to go to 405, who's been waiting so patiently. But uh, one of the things, that was a clip from (laughs) your show today. Yes, it was. You got it up faster than I did. (laughs) (laughs) and and I want to talk about whether I want to talk about this whole Joshua generation, mm-hmm. the people who I mean, I, I am I always call myself myself a child of Malcolm, and uh, I I've got to figure out this week we saw uh, Netroots and so many of the bloggers and writers and voices out of our community were active in that and I want to know where the black roots black net roots is uh in this country and and I and 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 now that we seem to have the grio the root blacknews.com black planet black black all kinds of outlets for information dialogue discourse clarification commentary and observation and whether or not it's working but before we get to that i gotta get to 405 you're on the air i respect you with dr wilma leon of xm Sirius radio and alpha of the alpha show well thank you janice and uh i respect you also likewise the don oh my brother yeah this this is he and i also uh uh want to Thank everybody in the chat room for showing up here tonight and uh, uh, really questioning uh, Dr. Leon and getting some great information from him. And, Dr. Leon, I would just like to say I uh, thank you for your show on Saturdays. I listen to it faithfully. Oh, thank you. And uh, I especially was uh, grateful for the exclusive uh, uh, interviews you had during the Egyptian crisis that uh, was going on. Uh, and another thing, you have me packing my bags, getting ready to go to Belize. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 let me just you know maybe you can comment on some of my comments here you know, and let me start off by a quote uh, you know when 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 you control a man's thinking, you do not have to worry about his actions. Carter G. Woodson. You do not have to have. To, to tell him not to stand here or go yonder. He will find his proper place and will stay in it. You do not need to send him to the back door. Make he will go stuff. without being told. In fact, if there is no back door, he will cut one for his own special benefit. His education makes it necessary. And you are correct. That's Dr. Carter G. Woodson, and what he said back then in the fifties. That was the thirties. Thirties. That was nineteen thirty-two. He died in the fifties. Yes. Is absolutely true today. We have not come that far politically and economically from what it was back in his days. In fact, we might have might have regressed in my estimation, and. Uh, 
what I see does not surprise me. Yes, the the church was the uh, uh, forefront of the civil rights movement back in the day. However, we have seen the the, the church evolve into this modern day uh, uh, church that uh, is that actually uh, is just being entertained by Caesar, invited to Caesar's house and have partaken of Caesar's uh, uh, food and money. So I don't, I look and see these organizations that we talk about that's headed by these so-called black leaders who we have mentioned tonight. I need not mention their names again. We know who they are. And I look and see what have they done over the last 40 years that they've been in existence especially in the city of Chi-Town, when we look at the crime rate among our own people, and that's where we have one of these organizations, or maybe two, that has been there for so long, and we have the worst crime rate there than they have in Afghanistan. Let's so get a response, Don, for you. Huh? Let's get a response for you. Yes, I want him to 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 to, to respond. But uh, what I'm saying is that, Dr. Leon, what do you suggest as to a strategy uh, for us to uh, um, survive this uh, up and coming uh, 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 political climate and season that we're going to face in 2012, especially if we lose the White House? Well, you know when you when you put a when you put a frog in a pot of water, and you and you've heard this analogy a million times, I'm sure, and you turn the heat up in the water very very slowly, the frog never understands that the pot's getting hot, and it and it winds up boiling. I think what we have to understand is that the urgency of now, and you talk about crime in communities in Chicago. Well, that crime is being committed by people in the community. It's not Al-Qaeda that's coming in there and in, 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 to the south side of Chicago and, and shooting up all them people. You know, it's not the Mujahideen that's, 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 that's coming into Chicago and as kids are coming out of school, um, murdering kids as they're trying to walk home from school. Those are residents of the neighborhood that are doing that. And so my question is, well, where are the other residents in the neighborhood that are willing to take charge of their communities? We can't expect President Obama to do that. We've got to do that for ourselves. If 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 one of the if you were referring to the NAACP as being one of those organizations that is that may not be doing what you wanted to do, then go take then go take control of go regain control of the NAACP. Because Wells Fargo and, and, and Anheuser-Busch and Pepsi-Cola and Coca-Cola, they have, for the most part, when you look at who sits on the boards of those organizations, they have come in and taken control of our organizations because we won't support them, and we won't support our black press. So it's great to sit there and moan, and, and I'm not saying that, Don, that you were doing this. I'm speaking more generally. It's great to sit there and, and moan and cry, oh, woe is me, while bullets are flying in the middle of your street, 
well, then maybe you need to get locked and loaded and go out there and handle some business and regain control of your neighborhoods. Because I know this, my son walks to school every day, and no one is going to threaten my child. I'm, not, I'm going to die defending my son. That's not going to happen. And I've had to walk into his school and tap kids on the shoulder to let them know that Wilmer Leon IV has a father and that his father will get his back. So that's my answer to, to that question. That's pretty simple. Wow. I, I I think that we have to, Don, we have to challenge what whatever resources we have. And, and I know it's particularly difficult for people across the country uh, who are not in urban areas like you're in, in a rural area of Oklahoma. And what we have to do is we have to challenge these organizations. We have to challenge them and say, are you speaking to my interests? And if you're not speaking to my interests, then let me know so I can go find something else in which to attach myself. And one of the things, uh, uh, Dr. Leon, we're not doing, and Don, we're not doing, Uh we are not engaging in the resources that we have. I mean, um, how many times, Don, you have been with me since U.S. Talk Network, that I have said that everybody has to find an organization which is going to serve their interests, which is going to either adopt, uh, have already uh, in, in, in place, or will create a, a liberation strategy, a liberation philosophy that meets your needs. Can I ask Don one quick question? Yeah. Don, I, I, I know reading in the paper that there was a particular area in Chicago where kids were being shot. The, the, one of the highest crime rates in the country was in some neighborhood in Chicago. Um, I, I don't remember the name of the neighborhood. Inglewood. Okay. <laughs> as, as kids, as kids were walking to school and as kids were trying to come home from school, they're they're just being totally abused. And so I'm trying to figure out, well, where are the parents who 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 are going to decide every morning? We as a unit of five, ten. 15, 25 parents, we are going to form a ring around our children, and we're going to walk our children to school. And if I got to walk there with a, with, a, with, a, with, a, with a driver or a bat or a pipe or whatever I got to walk to school with to protect my child, I'm going to show these thugs who's running this neighborhood. Yeah. Where well, is right. that mentality? In answer to that, I think that most of these parents, quote, unquote, parents, families are not there due to the fact that they're too damn busy trying to earn a living in order to put a roof over their head. They're stuffed into projects. The father has been taken out of the family. Most of our divorce rate is just unseemingly high and disproportionate because it's difficult to keep a family together when you don't have decent uh, uh, wages coming in in order to do what you and I do for our children because we have the resources. Number two. Don, I'm, I, I live in Don, Oklahoma, and I, I get involved it. with the NAACP, and am a member of it, and with the police department here. Poverty and also, is I am a quote-unquote lone wolf, Dr. Leon. I take care of myself. I have land. I, I farm it, and I, oh. I can my own food, and I, be, I be depend on the leader I see in the mirror. 
Poverty is, poverty is no excuse for inaction. Those parents work like I work. Those parents get up and go to jobs like I get up and go to jobs. My first job is taking care of my child, and that's what I do. You know, Don, thank you for your call. We're going to have to go on to because we've got a board full of calls. And, and, and this is a level of frustration. Uh, and you're not, t- I mean, Don is a person who is struggling to figure out how you engage the community in which he lives. Thank you so much, Don, for your call. 312, we're, you're on the air. And you, I've only got a few minutes. What's your question? And uh, thank you. I respect you for for your call. Hey, Janice Alfo, uh, Dr. Leon, this is House Music Lover. Oh, sorry. How's it going? House. Good, good, good. Um, uh, one thing, quick thing about what Don and you guys said about the uh, areas in Chicago with the violence in the high schools, there is an attempt to have um, a community police area uh, when kids get out of school. I pass by Finger High School all the time. It's right down the street from me. And South Shore High School, which is uh, I go by uh, quite often. Um, so those two I know, they have a, a community. That's great. That's great to hear. Yeah, that that are out there on the corners yeah, every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my question is, uh, I saw an article uh, today or yesterday about President Obama ignoring uh, not going into Libya and having Justice Department and some other people advise him not to go. And he, um, you know, we're we're there and we're there for whatever dumb reason and in whatever denial. The same way uh, Bush got us into Iran, excuse me, Iraq, wanted to go to Iran and Afghanistan and everything else. And I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm wondering what your, what your stance is with this uh, person that we voted for, who's turning out to be as big of a war monger, uh, a war starter, as the pre- previous president. I don't understand how any African can bomb Libya. It makes no sense to me. It's crazy. It's foolish. Um, I think Sarkozy was behind this because he was behind in the polls, and he, and in many instances, when when heads of state are behind in the polls, they wage war to raise the level of a sentiment of nationalism within their country, mm-hmm. and, and 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 hoping that people will rally around the flag and not and not want to remove the head of state during a time of war. Uh, I think that there are a number of issues that have to be uh, uh, thoroughly discussed here. First of all, John McCain comes back from Libya talking about we have to support the rebels, and then when he's asked, well, do you know who the rebels are, he says, well, I'm not really sure, but I know Mm -hmm. that, that that we have to defend them. Well, mm-hmm. that's the same sick logic of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Is and my and friend. that's how we backed Osama bin Laden. That's how we backed the Mujahideen in, in, in and Afghanistan and trained Osama bin Laden. That's how we backed, um, what's his name, in Iran, in Iraq, um, Saddam, Hussein. Saddam Hussein, because he was fighting the Iranians. Right. And, and so uh, we also have to look at the fact that Muammar Gaddafi is an African nationalist and that Muammar Gaddafi has been calling for an African currency. He's been calling for an African central bank, the same way that Saddam Hussein was talking about revaluing uh, oil 
off of the dollar and onto the euro. And the United right. States is not going to allow that to happen because of the devastation that it would cause to the dollar. Um, mm-hmm. There are a number of issues that people really have to understand as it relates to what's happening on the continent as AFRICOM wants to move in and play a larger military role. And, 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 and these are the kinds of questions, talk about critical thinking, these are the kinds of questions. People need to ask the question, why was Muammar Gaddafi in the, in the League of Nations, not the quote-unquote technical League of Nations, but in the Brotherhood of Nations six months mm-hmm. ago, he was right. pitching his tent in France, he was hugging President Obama, and then all of a sudden we got to blow him off the map. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, house music lover, Dr. Leon, we've, we've got to have this conversation um, and, and continue. This is, these are the kinds of issues that we have to grapple with, and we have to grapple with them outside of the mainstream dialogue. I I did want to get to talking about the prison population and talking about uh, the drug war. Uh, Wilma, you're going to have to come back because we haven't done any music. (laughs) Well, all you got to do is call. I I love the show. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you so much. much. Uh, Alpha, a pleasure meeting you, my brother. Thank you. And uh, I'm going to have to get you both on my show. I'll get that number from Janice to find out how I get there. Oh, not a problem. <laughs> not a problem. We can make that happen in real short order. So thank you so very much. We've been talking with Dr. Wilma Leon, uh, a political scientist, and you can see that uh, in his responses. He's a nationally um, broadcast talk radio host a columnist, a commentator, a political consultant. You can hear him on Channel 129, The Power. 128. 128. 128. Yeah, it used to be 169, but it's not 128. Okay. And please go to Dr. Leon's prescription on Facebook. Okay. And we'll post that at the Our Common Ground Community Center. Dr. Wilma Leon, I love you, my brother, and we'll be in touch. I greatly appreciate it. Peace and blessings to y'all. Okay. Alpha, it looks like we need a night of nothing but open lines uh, where people can talk about these issues and really get them on board. Um, Many of you know that tonight is I am celebrating 20 years in talk radio, and we hope you'll go to our Facebook page at Our Common Ground with Janice Graham and sign up, like us, uh, go to our community center. Uh, But if you go to OurCommonGround.com, it will take you everywhere. Alpha, thank you for being with us. Uh, Brother Brock, Don, uh, Lion's Den, May, Sarah, I think that we're going to start a show at TruthWorks where we bring on listeners as uh, guest co-hosts. I'm Janice Graham. Have a great Juneteenth, and don't forget to to be grateful for the fathers in our community. Happy Father's Day to all of you.
being here on Our Common Ground. We hope that we have made the black blacker and the white clearer. Wishing all the fathers in our audience tonight a rich and wonderful Father's Day celebration. We thank all of our callers, our chatters, and our listeners. Thank you for being with us. I'm Janice Graham. Join us each Saturday night, speaking truth to power and ourselves on Our Common Ground.